Okay, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 13. <clears throat> I'm going to speak today about Satan's tool of destruction. And that is called offense. Satan's tool to destroy your life. And it is called offense. And here in this story in chapter 13... We see a great example of offense. In fact, the story of David and his son Absalom is a great study, case study on offense. How to deal with offense. Now in chapter 13, we're not going to read the entire um, chapter. This is a story of how Absalom's sister, Absalom was the son of David, tall, handsome, smart, dynamic. He had a sister called Tamar who was very beautiful. Absalom had a half-brother from another mother, David's son, called Amnon. Amnon lusted after Tamar. And through craftiness, got her into his room and raped her. After he raped her, he threw her out of the room and despised her and did not take her as his wife. So now Tamar is disgraced. She is shamed. Her virginity was taken and she cannot be married. So Absalom brings her to his home and he's angry. But he's also expecting his father, David, to give justice. Now for one entire year, David does nothing. So Absalom begins to be offended in his heart. And after that one year, he kills Amnon. He murders Amnon. And he flees away to another place. David is grieved. But after three years, David forgives Absalom. But within that period of time, Absalom already has offense in his heart. He's angry with his father. He's resentful towards his father and is bitter. Now, in, this is the story in chapter 13. All right. Now, in chapter 15, verses 1 to 4, Absalom comes back. He's forgiven, but the offense is in his heart. And what he does is, Let's read from verse 1 to 4. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate, the gate to the palace. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, then I would give him justice. So in other words, Absalom was drawing the hearts of the people towards him. He was telling the people who came to meet the king, if only I were king, I would have given you justice. But King David is too busy. There's no one to hear your case. So all the discontented and the angry people in Israel, he began to draw to him. And finally, he deposed his son, I mean his father David as the king. There was a rebellion. Absalom took over and he became king for a time and a season. And David was back there in the wilderness. And when Absalom was pursuing David, he was killed. Now David did not kill him. David said, do not harm my son. But in the midst of the battle, Absalom was killed. See, eventually it was offense, bitterness, and unforgiveness that killed him. As a dynamic prince, the firstborn, he had so much potential as heir to the throne. He could have done so much in his life. But he did not release the offense that he had in his heart towards his father. And in time, a root of bitterness and unforgiveness sprung up in his heart. And eventually, it destroyed his life. Offense is a tool that Satan uses even today to destroy the lives and destinies. Not only of people in the world, but also of Christians. We live in an age of offense. It seems like today, almost everyone is offended about something. 
Everyone is angry about something. Everyone is enraged about something. And out of this offense flows bitterness, evil speaking from our mouths, hatred, unforgiveness, and also all the racial divisions that we see. In Luke chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus said, It is impossible that no offense should come. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you are living in this world, it is impossible for you to live without being offended. Without being offended. But then in chapter 1 onwards to chapter 4, he makes a very important statement. He says, if you are offended, take heed to yourself. That means guard your heart. Pay attention to yourself that you do not take offense when offense comes. You see, every day, daily, offense comes. And people can be offended for the silliest of reasons. The silliest of reasons. You don't like the way the announcement was made in the church. And you got offended and said, I'm not going to listen to the sermon. Some people come to church and say, I don't like the songs that were sung. And suddenly their hearts are closed. See, offense comes for the silliest of reasons. Through any person or any incident, the question is, how do you handle offense? How does your heart handle offense? Because when we don't learn how to handle offense, it has the potential to destroy our lives. John Bevere in the book, The Bait of Satan, says this. As I travel across the United States ministry, I have been able to observe one of the enemy's most deadly and deceptive traps. It imprisons countless Christians. So Christians, any Christians here today? Christians, please pay attention. It severes relationships. It widens the existing divides between us. Even people are offended with other denominations for no reason. It entraps us. Many are unable to function properly in their calling because of the wounds and hurts that offenses have caused in their lives. They're handicapped. They're hindered from fulfilling the full potential. They cannot even go out in society. And the closer the relationship in the past, the more severe the offense. And you find the greatest hatred among those who were once close. That is sad. So many in churches today, he says, are wounded, hurt, and bitter. They are offended and do not realize they have fallen into Satan's trap. Every evil flows out of offense. Satan was offended at God. And that is how he fell while he was in heaven. Cain was offended at Abel, and that is how he fell. Offense is a tool of the devil to bring people into captivity. The Greek word for offense means a trap, like an animal trap that you suddenly fall into. And that is why offense is the bait of Satan, because it takes your heart into the trap of unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 10 to 13. Turn there. Matthew 24, verse 10 to 13. <clears throat> that in the last days, many will be offended. We are living in the last days. And we can see that offense is increasing. All you have to do is watch Indian news channel and you know what offense is. It's called a shouting match. You know what that is called? It's called clamor in the Bible. And clamor is a result of offense. Some things the Lord revealed yesterday. Many will be offended. Chapter 24, verse 10. And will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. You see, one of the reasons why we can be deceived is because our hearts are offended. When you have offense against somebody or something, the enemy can come and say something that will cause you to be deceived against that person. For example, Absalom deceived Israel from following the true leader, who is David. Why? Offense. Verse 12, And because lawlessness will abound, <clears throat> including offense, the love of many will grow cold. Offense will cause your heart to become like a stone, to grow cold. <clears throat> so offense is a trap, is a snare, something that causes you to stumble. In the Greek, it's the word scandal. Something that causes you to stumble. It is an injury or a wrong that is done to you. A cause of temptation. Something like 
a bitter taste in your mouth, something you experience, or a cause of displeasure in your spirit. That is what offense means. Now, what are the effects of offense? I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is something I just saw for the first time yesterday. And this is what I believe is an effect of offense. So please take notes and listen carefully. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Why do people get angry? Because of offense. Something that caused displeasure. Something that hurt you. Something that somebody said. And now you are angry because you've been hurt. Because you've been offended. Be angry and do not sin. In other words, you have to learn how to deal with offense and anger when it develops. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. That means don't hold it for too long. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. So offense is the playground of the devil. Offense is the playground of the devil. Nor give place to the devil. But let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. All right? So verse 29 words is a revelation. When you are offended, what you will notice is this. It will lead to seven rivers coming out of your heart. Seven rivers that will come out of your life. And we see this here from verse 29 onwards. Offense leads to seven rivers which flow out of you. All right? Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. All right, so let me give you those seven rivers that flow out of a heart of offense. Number one, corrupt communication. What is corrupt communication? It is poison that comes out of your mouth because of your offense. You're offended at the government. You're offended at that brother. You're offended at that denomination. The next time the subject comes up about that person or that denomination, what comes out of your mouth? Corrupt communication. Why? Out of your anger. The Bible says, let your heart be filled with grace. But it's difficult. Why? Your heart has been offended. And what comes out is corrupt communication that tears down, that destroys, that smears other people. Number two, bitterness. Verse 31, let all bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness develops in the heart when we let resentment take root. And we are constantly replaying the incident, the words that have been said to us by our parents or even by our neighbors or by that tribe, the words that have been spoken against our tribe. And we are nursing that. We are taking that seed in our heart and we're letting it grow. It's boiling in our spirit. And over a time, a root of resentment grows into a tree of bitterness. And bitterness is that irritable state of mind that keeps a man or a woman in perpetual animosity. When I read that, I was like, whoa. That also describes some of what I've been going through and how to really get right before the Lord. That keeps you in a state of perpetual animosity. That means whenever you see that person, all the bad feelings rise up. Whenever you hear that tribe's name mentioned, all the bad feelings rise up. What is that? Bitterness. Bitterness that inclines him to harsh and wrong opinions of men and things. That makes him sour like a tita, you know, lemon. Anyone ever lived with a lemon? Makes him sour, makes him crabby, makes him repulsive in his general behavior. It brings a scowl over his face, infuses his words and tongues with venom. Bitterness reflects resentment, a grudge-filled attitude. If you're always speaking about officers, ministers, or rich people, or poor people, or some of you for everyone, <laughs> grudgeful attitude, it's most like you, are, you have a grudge against anyone. That is bitterness. Bitterness is the opposite of sweetness and kindness. In the Greeks, define this word as long standing resentment. Number three, wrath. Wrath. Wrath proceeds out of offense. Wrath is a violent motion or a passion of the mind. 
it speaks of an agitated anger that comes out suddenly like a fire amongst the straw. It's a mighty emotion which seizes the person and he is not in control anymore of himself. That is what wrath is. And it's a result of offense that has not been dealt with. Number four is anger. In verse 31, it says anger. Anger is long-lasting, slow-burning resentment that has become anger, which refuses to be pacified, which has nursed the offense, rehearsed the words, rehearsed the experience time and again, and now it explodes in bursts of anger, seething, smoldering, bad feelings on the inside. Now, I'm not speaking of any of you, all right? I'm just speaking of people outside. You guys are the angels. <laughs> All right. Number five is clamor. Clamor is the shout or outcry of strife and reflects an outburst that reveals loss of control. Remind you of anyone? All right. It's a loud and confused noise, especially of shouting, loud outcries of anger, bawling, howling, shouting down of opponents. <laughs> the nation wants to know. Number six, slander. Slander, it is speech which seeks to wound someone's reputation by evil reports and evil speaking. It is abusive speech against someone by telling lies or offending them. It means literally to speak to harm people and generally to destroy people's lives. Slander, it comes out of offense. And the seventh is malice. Everyone say malice. Malice desires to hurt another and rejoices in it. Webster's Dictionary says that malice is a desire to cause pain. To cause pain, to inflict injury, to distress others, and to see them suffer. Have you ever desired to see someone suffer? I have. When I was in boarding school, I was bullied almost every day. My mutton was taken away from my plate. My tux was stolen. After I graduated from high school, even after seven, eight years, I would fantasize how I would go and find those people and torture them. I would rehearse those thoughts in my mind. How will I torture that person? What is that? It's malice. Praise God, I've been delivered from that. Amen. If you have those kind of thoughts, you need to be serious with your own heart today. So if you hold these seven things in a heart and you recognize yourself in that, the root is offense. The root is a heart of offense. Now in Mark chapter 4, I believe, Jesus talks about the parable of the sower. And one of the things that he says is, when the seed is sown into stony ground, stony ground, the, the seed springs up suddenly, but because it has no root, it cannot produce and after a while it withers and it falls away. Now Jesus is talking about the seed as the word of God and the ground as the human heart. But he says some human hearts are like stony ground. In other words, your heart have been hardened by offense. Your heart have been hardened by whatever has happened in your life, your past, your experiences. Just the normal things that people go through, problems. Even sometimes people may not have done any offense to you, but because just you have gone through a hard life, you have gone through difficulty, you prayed a lot, and you haven't seen much blessings. People get offended at God. People are offended with life. They're bitter with life. That's a stony heart. Now, a stony heart cannot produce. In other words, the Word of God will never produce in a heart that has been filled with offense. So this is it. Let me tell you this. If you have offense, you cannot progress spiritually. If you have offense in your heart, you cannot progress spiritually. In other words, you will not experience the 30-fold, the 60-fold, or the 100-fold blessing because your growth in Christ will be stunted. Your fruitfulness in Christ will not be there. And there will be no blessings also in Christ. Why? Offense. It's not that there is no grace. I mean, God's grace is available for everyone today. It's almost like God has given you a field, and in that field, there are tons of gold underneath that field. But because of offense, you cannot get to that gold. 
the goal is there. God has blessed every Christian. God has blessed every believer. God has favored every Christian. God has given you His identity. God has given you His Holy Spirit. God has given you His wisdom. All the riches of heaven are available for every believer. It's like gold in your land. But every time you dig, all you find is stone. Stone. Why? Because it's your heart. God has put all of that blessing in your heart. Because everything of your spiritual life flows out of your heart. Proverbs chapter 4 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Your spiritual life flows out of your heart. Healing flows out of your heart. Wisdom flows out of your heart. Prosperity flows out of your heart. Success flows out of your heart. It's your heart. Some of you are waiting for the minister to make you rich. Some of you are waiting for somebody on the outside to make you rich. I've been telling you, hey, take responsibility over your own faith. Take responsibility over your own destiny. Take responsibility over your own life and choose to believe in God for yourself. Amen. That means let go of that offense. Hallelujah. You can even see on the highway how difficult it is to cut the road when the mountain is full of rocks. God wants to build a highway of blessing into your life. But there's a rock there. Amen. Hallelujah. And that rock is not the government. <laughs> the rock is not the tribe. The rock is not your neighbor. The rock is not your father or mother either. The rock is your offense that you're nursing and you're holding in your heart. Offense ultimately is a killer of relationships and it will ultimately take your potential and your calling. Every believer must learn how to deal with offense. Get rid of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Turn with me there. Verse 7 to 11. So that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. For to this end I also wrote that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Verse 11, lest Satan, Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying here that one of Satan's devices or strategies against Christians is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. When we don't forgive people, we don't release them from the offense. So they're also condemned. At the same time, when we don't release forgiveness, we ourselves are in a prison. And Satan uses unforgiveness as a strategy to destroy our lives as a strategy. So we must endeavor to live a life without offense. By that I don't mean you cannot try to pray and have faith so that you will never be offended. It is impossible for you to never be offended. It's impossible for you to never go through trials and temptations and tribulations. But you can take responsibility over your heart so that you make a firm decision, no matter what people will say about me, no matter what people will do to me, or how I will be heard, I will always forgive. In other words, you are taking responsibility over your response, over your reaction. You cannot control people. Because sometimes people are not trying to offend you. They're just being themselves. But you got offended. Why? Because you misunderstood him. Or you misjudged him. It's not that they were trying to offend you. They were busy, busy working. And you said, hey. But they did not respond because they were so busy. And you said, hey. And they were not responding. So you got hurt and you said, maybe because I am out. And because he's angami. You see, people think of the weirdest of reasons. It's true. All of all, you may be thinking, Are they, why? Maybe last week, I didn't do something and that's why now he's doing that to me. You, you take things personally. Even when there is no cause. That person was just focused on his work. You're driving and you are just concentrating on the highway. Someone said, hey, but you did not say hi back. And they got offended with you. Anyone ever been offended like that? 
Sometimes you're just offended because that person is better looking than you. <laughs> Women, you understand that, right? <laughs> right? Amen. Oh, I mean, Saul got offended with David because David was seeing more success killing the Philistines more than him. Sometimes we hear testimonies of people being blessed. Some people get offended in the, in the congregation. So people can be offended for the weirdest of things. Amen. See, we must learn to check a heart every time offense comes and learn to live without offense. In Acts chapter 24, verse 16, Paul says, I have exercised myself to always have a conscience without offense towards God and towards men. I've lived my life with discipline. He has exercised with discipline so that my conscience has no offense towards God or even towards people. I hold no offense towards anyone. I hold no offense towards God. Why God? Because many times, if you've been praying and believing, but then it did not turn out as expected, we get offended at God. The next time, it is harder to believe. And when pastor comes and says, believe in God with all your heart, faith is speaking the promise of God, it's difficult for you to speak. Why? Your heart has been offended with God. Offended at the word. Seriously. When somebody comes and talks about tithing and how tithing will bring harvest in your life, sometimes do you get offended? You're like, Ugh. why? Because you have tithed in the past with expectation and you did not receive the harvest as you expected because you expected to come a certain way. You said, don't ever put a formula on how the blessing or the miracle will come. Just trust God and leave it to Him how the blessings are coming, but trust His word. But because we put our expectation on a specific way that it will come or in the way that it should show up in our life and it did not come the way we expected, we get offended. And when you're offended, it's very difficult to believe. It's very difficult to believe if your heart is offended. I would even say impossible. See, the Bible is full of examples of people who got offended and had devastating consequences in their life. Cain got offended at Abel because God did not accept his sacrifice, but accepted Abel's sacrifice. Amen. Sometimes in a conference, the prophet comes and says, two pastors, come and prophesy over them. And I'm sitting in the corner and I get offended. Why not me, Lord? Why didn't you speak a word of prophecy over me? See, silly as a reason, Satan is lurking everywhere to bring offense. And so what happens? He's filled with anger, resentment towards Abel, and he kills Abel. See, unforgiveness is the way of Cain. It is not the way of God. When we do not forgive and we walk in offense, we are walking in the way of Cain. How many of you are on Cain's highway? Saul offended at David, wants to kill him. Ultimately, he's destroyed himself. Absalom offended at his father, nursing that offense for years. Ultimately, it separates him and his father and he rebels. Rebellion is also from offense. Satan was offended at God's glory and he rebelled. And that's why Judas was offended at Jesus. When the woman came with the alabaster jar of expensive perfume and he, he broke it and anointed Jesus with it, Judas got offended with all the devotion and the glory and the honor that Jesus received. He got offended and he said, why was this not sold? and the money to be given to the poor. He was not concerned about the glory that Jesus receives. He was just self-justifying himself. And because of his offense, he went and betrayed Jesus to the Pharisees. But David, the Bible says, is a man after God's own heart. When King Saul wanted to kill him, and he was a fugitive in the wilderness for years, and he was running, and he was 
basically in desperate situation, he had two opportunities to kill Saul. Two opportunities. And in both of those occasions, he almost did. But he stayed his hand and said, let God be the judge between me and Saul. I will not raise my hand against God's anointed. Let God be the judge between me and that brother. Let God be the judge between me and that church. Let God be the judge between me and my business partner. Let God be the judge between me and my neighbor who stole my chicken. Let God be the judge between me and my best friend now who is saying bad things about me and slandering me. Let God be the judge. Don't ever take justice in your own hands. David said no. Saul is offending him. Saul wants to kill him. Saul is the one who is wrong. David is the one who is in the right. But David still says, I will not raise my hand. Today, you know what that means? It means I will not raise my voice. Your voice. I will not let corrupt communication proceed. I will not let slander. I will not let evil speaking. I will not destroy that person's image in front of the others. Sometimes we are guilty of saying not terribly bad things, but one or two words that spoil the image of that person to the people around us. You know where that comes from? It comes from offense. And because you hold that heart of offense, you're not growing. Your spiritual life is not growing. Why? Because when your heart is offended, it it's like, you know, you're blinded. You cannot see. You cannot see. Why? Because all you see is the offense. All you see is the fault that was done to you. All you see is the fault in that person. All you see is the bad experience. You cannot see. And if you can't see, you can't have revelation from God. And if you don't have revelation, there's no transformation. Why? Every spiritual transformation, every spiritual growth, every blessing before it comes into your life, first revelation comes. A revelation of God, a revelation of God's grace, a revelation of the heart of God. When you have that revelation, it springs you into faith and your spiritual life begins to prosper. But you can't have revelation. Why? Because your heart has been darkened. Darkened. By offense. And in ministry, this is a huge trap. And that's why some people we see, their anointing has not grown over the last 10 years. Why? Somewhere offenses come. In Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible talks about little foxes. Everyone say little foxes. Little foxes. Catch the little foxes. That's what it says. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. For our vines have tender grapes. The vines, the harvest that God wants to bring into your life. Little foxes are little things. Insignificant things. But they can cause big damage. Huge damage. And we must learn to guard ourselves against the little foxes that do great harm to our Christian lives. What are those little foxes? Proverbs talks about a little slumber. A little falling of the hands to sleep. A little laziness and poverty will overtake you. So little laziness, young boys and girls, a little laziness is called a little fox. It's true. When we slack a little bit, it's a little fox. Beware of that. What's a little fox? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Right? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So beware of bad company because it's going to leaven your life with corruption. So a little offense is also a little fox. What's a little offense? It's a small grudge. I'm not talking about huge injustice that was done to you. I'm talking about little disappointments that we pick up day to day. You're disappointed with that person because he came late. You're disappointed because they forgot to call you back. You're disappointed because they forgot to give you back that 100 rupees. 
not crows, not legs. Someone borrowed 100 rupees and said, I'll just give it back to you in 10 minutes. But that person forgot. And now you are nursing that grudge. If you're in hostel, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody took your meat pickle without asking you. Your expectations are not met. And then you have day-to-day irritating encounters in the office. Someone banged the door too hard two or three times. And now you're thinking, is it because of me that banged the door? You know, all little things like that. Harsh words that you experienced. Or maybe you were traveling and the people in Calcutta, Delhi were rude to you and you're thinking they did it because I'm chinky and now you're having this offense in your heart. It's true. We carry all these little, little things everywhere we go. Little misunderstandings. It is impossible that no offense should come. But it is these little things that you carry in your heart and it's simmering over the years and that is what spoils the vine. What's the vine? Your harvest. Your blessings. The grapes that God has prepared for you. It spoils the vine. Why? The little effects, little offenses affects your heart. Brings bitterness, resentment, stony heart. How do we overcome offense? It's very simple. Number one, Forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. Turn to Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18 and we'll close in about two more hours. All right. Matthew chapter 18 verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Peter probably thought he was a very good boy, seven times I'm willing to forgive. How much should you forgive in a day? Have you ever thought of that? Jesus said, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. That means infinitely. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is about 375 tons. And in those days, talents were gold. So 375 tons of gold are about $16 billion today. So he owed an unimaginable debt. He can never repay that debt to the master. But he was not able to pay. So his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. This is also a story about Christ, what he did for us on the cross. We could not pay the debt of sin. Jesus paid for us. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you. Master of the servant was moved with compassion and released him, forgave him the debt. We have been forgiven of a debt that we could never forgive ourselves. You could have fasted and prayed without food and water for thousands of years and still not even one sin would be forgiven in your life. Do you ever know that? Have you ever thought about that? You could stay in this church now and never go home and pray and pray and pray till kingdom comes. But still not a single sin you can pay by your own prayer and fasting. We are forgiven because of Jesus on the cross. Can you say hallelujah? Amen. It's free. So he was forgiven completely. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii is about $5,000. A denarii is a day's wage. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he would not when they threw him into prison. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. They came and told the master. The master said to him, verse 32, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? God wants us to forgive in the same way we have been forgiven. How are we forgiven? We are forgiven so lavishly. We are forgiven so generously. We are forgiven so richly, completely released of every debt that we owe, unimaginably before God. Amen. But this man, after he was forgiven of $16 billion debt, he goes and he puts into prison someone who owes him $5,000. He could not 
have the same heart as his master. God wants us to forgive in the same way we have been forgiven. And that's why Ephesians chapter 4, if we would go on reading, verse 32 onwards, he says, Be tender-hearted, be kind, be gentle. Forgive one another in the same way as Christ has forgiven you. Can you say amen? Forgive one another the same way. Everyone say the same way. Everyone say the same way. The same way as Christ forgave you. The word forgiveness, the way Christ forgave us, has three types of actions. Let me just describe it to you very quickly. The first is charizomai. Charizomai is a word in Greek for forgiveness, which means a grace gift. It's a gift. Everyone say gift. It comes to you freely by grace, unconditionally. You cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. It's free. So first, is a grace gift. The second word is the word apolluo. And the word apolluo is also a word for forgive, which means to, you see, when you're holding on too tight to offense, your heart is holding on. You're, like, you're remembering, you are rehearsing, you are rehashing, you're talking about that person. You are holding on. To forgive means to let go. It means to loosen. It means to unbind. It means to release it from your heart. But there's another word. It's the word apiema. It's the word forgiveness. And you know what that means? It means not only that you have received a grace gift, not only has you been loosed from it, but it means the word forgiveness means this. You have put it away. You have sent it away. It is removed completely. And that is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He forgives us by grace. He loses us from the debt of sin. But not only that, He has removed our sins completely. So that He does not remember it anymore. He promised, I would remember your sins no more. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. That means the next time God looks at you, He looks at you as if you have never sinned. He looks at you as if you are never guilty. Why? That is a gift of righteousness. God looks at you as if you have never sinned. Can you say hallelujah? And that is the way you are forgiven. And that is the way we are to forgive. Freely, even before they ask. Even before they pay the price. It means to let loose, let go of whatever offense has been committed against you. Let go from your heart. But not only let go, it says, throw it away. Send it away. The next time you see that person, don't have a BP. The next time you see that person, don't turn your face away. The next time you see that person, by faith, begin to smile. Give grace. Amen. Treat that person as if he did not sin against you. Can you do that? Only by faith. Don't wait for the feelings to come. By faith, you begin to do it. Number two, walking in love. How can I overcome offense? Now, even after you forgive, you can get offended by that person. Have you ever lived with someone after you forgive them a hundred times, they still keep on irritating you? <laughs> It's called your spouse. Husband <laughs> and wife, raise your hand. <laughs> so, you have to take it a step further. You forgive. You're willing to forgive. But then you say, wait a minute. Let me take it further and just walk in love so that I don't be offended. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 3 onwards, I believe. No, verse 4 onwards. Love suffers long. Love. The God kind of love, agape love. Suffers long, is kind, does not envy. We get offended because of envy. Because we're not willing to be kind, we get offended earlier. Love does not parade itself, it's not puffed up. Pride gets offended very easily. Ah, pride and offense are twins. Have you ever been offended because somebody was dressed better than you in the party? Huh? Sawalewe Munai. Why? Because she looks better than you? Because he's wearing, uh, you know, Ray-Ban glass? See, pride gets offended easily. If you're someone who can be easily offended all the time, you better check your heart for pride. 
Better check your heart for pride. Naga men, you have to check your heart for pride. It's difficult for Naga men to take orders from bosses. It's difficult for Naga men to humble and submit in jobs, in companies, anywhere. And it's not because God made Naga special. It's because of pride. Ugly, stinking pride. No, we are different. Nagas, no, we're not different. The only difference is your face. Yeah. In the heart of hearts, we're all made in the image of God. You just cannot submit. You cannot take orders from other people. And that's why Naga women are doing better. Whether in jobs, whether in government, or whether outside Nagaland, in corporate world, Naga women are doing better than Naga men. Why? Naga men cannot submit. Why? Pride. It's pride. It's not your Naga identity. It's pride. Ugly, stinking pride. It's ugly, stinking pride. And if you're getting offended by what I'm saying, that is called ugly, stinking pride. <laughs> oh man, it's pride. Hallelujah. See, we must not be puffed up. Sometimes the smallest people are the most puffed up. Number five, love does not behave rudely, does not seek his own, is not proverb, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. When we choose to walk in love, we are... See, when you, when you forgive, it's like an emergency operation. You know, you're, 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 there was a cut, blood is flowing, so you have to immediately take care of it. That is called forgiveness. But after you forgive, you can bring in some right practices so that your hand or your body becomes healthier, that you don't get sick, it becomes healthier. So to be healthier is called walking in love. So if you learn to walk in love more and more, you will be getting offended less and less. It's not that the offense doesn't come. It will keep on coming. But love is like a shield that, you know, it's like a shield where even when someone says something bad about you, it's like, it's okay. It's all right. I just walk in love and patience. When somebody shouts at you on the highway, it's all right. Just let it go. See, love causes you to have that strength from within. Love causes you to be having that shield where offense bounces off you and it doesn't strike you like a fiery dart. The third thing is this, celebration. And this is important, celebration. This is again higher. This is what happens out of love. Celebration is when you choose to honor the person. When you always focus on what is not happening in your life. When you focus on what God has not done in your life, how do you feel? You feel offended. What do you feel? You feel bitter. So when you focus on what is not there, when you focus on what has not happened, you feed the spirit of offense. So what you need to do is, you need to focus on what God has done. You need to focus on the blessings of God. In other words, celebrate what God has done in your life. Give thanks. Give praise. Focus on the good things. Focus on what you have. Focus and celebrate what God has done, not on what He has not done. And when you do that, you are learning to walk by faith. Even in your relationships, every time you focus on the faults and mistakes of the other person, what happens? You get offended. Every time you focus on what that person said wrong and what that person did wrong, your heart gets more and more disconnected from that person. And we do this to everyone. Parents, brothers, sisters, leaders, pastors, governments, neighbors, spouses. So we must shift from always looking to evil. Do not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Amen. Rejoice means celebrate the good. Celebrate the good. That means the positive things. Look at the good of that person. Every person surely has something good. Amen. Focus on the good of that person. 
focus on the gifts that person has focus on the on on the on the blessings that he carries no one is perfect you see we must learn to celebrate in the midst of imperfection imperfect relationships imperfect leaders imperfect followers imperfect church leaders learn to celebrate one another in the midst of all our imperfections our weaknesses and our failures why because that's what god does in the midst of our imperfections god still honors us god still celebrates us god still loves us we must learn to do the same lest we become judgmental and bitter towards one another see why do people leave churches because they get offended with something or somebody in that church and they try to look for another church where they won't get offended and it's impossible every church you go you will get offended every church you join you will definitely be offended in that place so what do you do most naga sometimes say okay no need to go to church god is here in my house also gorde korubo now you can worship God at home, but you're going to be disconnected from the blessing that is there in a corporate assembly. You're going to miss many blessings from God. Amen. So we must learn to celebrate one another. Everyone says celebrate. Celebrate. Celebrate one another. Say good things. Don't focus on the wrong things. Hallelujah. Finally, Ephesians chapter 4 will close here. Verses 1 to 3. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 3 I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness everyone say lowliness with all gentleness say gentleness long suffering bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit that says you were called in one hope of your calling offense is a poison that destroys peace that destroys love and therefore we must seek to remove it completely from our lives it hinders our growth it hinders our blessings church divisions church splits at the root of it is offense people living before the time the root of it is offense amen we must learn to walk without offense hallelujah so I believe this is a word and a message that God had for us today. Unless we respond to this message, there is no blessing. Blessed are those not who hear the word, but those who do the word. Let's close our eyes and let's be willing for the Holy Spirit to do surgery in our hearts today. I want to thank you very much for listening to this message. If you would like to get in touch with us, with any prayer requests that we can pray for you, kindly email us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com or you can even visit our website faithharvest.in and message us and we will be privileged to get in touch with you. I would also encourage you to consider becoming a partner with us and help us in this vision to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and make it available to all the nations. All the details are available on our website and you can visit that. Thank you very much once again and God bless you.